It's just a creepy movie. It definitely creeps you out for sure. Somebody has to be perfect, so it might as well be. <laughs> Talk about deja vu. You live to tell the tale. You gotta think like a werewolf. It's the Slashers and Screamers Podcast. Happy Mother's Day, and welcome to a Mother's Day edition of Slashers and Screamers. Let me introduce my co-hosts. Can't make it happen without them. I'd like to try, but I won't. Final Girl Casey, how are you? Hello, I'm celebrating Mother's Day the best way I know how. That's with Pamela Voorhees. Oh, man if this isn't a mother's day flick i don't know what is we're actually doubling up on the the holidays right mother's day and the upcoming 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 friday the 13th so you know it'd be more of a mother's day flick. tell me there uh oh yeah i do know <laughs> i bet I, I bet i know where you're gonna go with it but godfather of droll james tell me what would be more of a mother's day flick that movie i picked that we didn't review Hey, James, all we're doing is pushing it. Yeah, t- tell them, Memphis Maniac Rick, I'm too mad. James, we're, we're doing it next week. We're just pushing it back a week. All that panic for nothing. Well, I guess that's going to have to be all right. <laughs> I mean, it's going to have to be. We're already started. <laughs> yeah, I've, we've hit the record button long ago, so. Um, we can take any time. That is true. We can, Theoretically, we I, could record this and put it out after. <laughs> Well, you know what, James? I'm going to give you props right now. The movie that you picked for this week that we're getting pushed, you know, to next week, I thought it was really good. I've watched it already. I watched it the day after you told me or told us. And um, actually, I put it on TikTok. Don't be blowing smoke up my ass now, Bill. Well, it's the only way I can keep you in a good mood. Or in a bad mood. Well, I'm not thinking, Bill. (laughs) Just scrape your knuckles on the pavement. What's your secret? I'm always angry. (laughs) yeah well guys thank you once again for joining the slashers and screamers podcast we sincerely hope you do enjoy this show and if you do hop over to your favorite site you're already on it if you're listening right now just go to the podcast page and if there's a rating system available give us a rating an honest rating if it's a one well you can go to hell but if it's a five we love you very much and uh yeah we want to hear from you on our socials, so hit us up on Twitter at Slasher Sports Media, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at, wait a minute, did I just lie to the people? I lied to the people. On Twitter Liar. at Slasher Sports, and on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Slasher Sports Media. The links are going to be in the episode bio. But guys, we've got some congratulations to give out right now. I don't know if you've if you've heard, but fellow co-founder of slasher sports christian and wife courtney rao courtney they had a baby they had a baby courtney you done good (laughs) well this guy's not going to do anything today he's not going to do anything because he is celebrating fatherhood and this little chunk of a child let me tell you about this he sent me the picture Uh, i had to sit on this information it was hard to do i said hey you tell me as soon as i can tweet about it because i want to tweet about it this little chunk of a human, 9.3 pounds, dude. Wow. 
Sound there's a James Brown in the wood pile. It sounds like it. <sighs> Just I don't know what a normal. I mean, like I know that's big, but I also don't know what like an average baby weight is. Ten pounds. Um, yeah, you definitely said 10 not. Pounds? I don't definitely not. Definitely pounds. not. I want to say mm-hmm. um, six pounds eight ounces is the average. No, that can't Let's be right. No, that's a little bitty thing. Yeah, it'd be pretty small. Was it okay. I was I was tiny, so yeah, you're still tiny, you little rat bastard. I was only one um, pound thirteen ounces. That, the tiniest. You did tell us that. Yeah, you were. Rick is the seven pounds six I, ounces. What did for you a say? Boy. Seven pounds six ounces for a boy and seven pounds two ounces for a girl. Okay, okay. So is the average birth weight of a full-term baby. Rick okay, is the well, shorter. <laughs> I don't think so, James. We know a couple <laughs> of shorter people than Rick. Forty-seven inches. But let's just think about this: uh, Christian and Courtney's baby at nine point three—that swallows up that average. Okay, and it was a full-term baby. It was actually more than a full-term. Um, not That's to put why. out anybody's, yeah, not not to put mm-hmm. out anybody's uh, HIPAA info, um, but Christian let me know as soon as you know he was going in for um, what's the word I'm looking for? Induction. Um, Inducing. Uh, got to do yeah. with the heat for the induction. Well, yes, but I mean <laughs> to induce labor, it is a you know performance of an act an activity. Well, I've got induction. a question. Oh, where's this baby going to play football at? Well, this baby is a girl, and I listen, I wanted to say, <laughs> James, that is a bold-faced lie, because you have a little girl right now playing nose tackle in your youth football league, and we she, no, <laughs> no stinking women, they're just uh-huh. women's all they are. <laughs> mm. Yeah, hey, James has got a nose tackle on his youth football team, and uh, yeah, like she can, she can stop that that run up the middle like nobody's beeswax. So, in other words, Christian's daughter is not going to play any football. Okay, she's going to she be might. playing baseball. She's going to be playing baseball, and uh, and that's all there is to it. Uncle Billy says so. I can tell you right now, baseball sucks. Well, you know what, James? You suck. You suck, buddy. Yeah, you suck, James. You know, we, we've never had a fit. We've never had a fist fight before, James. Play baseball. You did play baseball, James. Like from the the time you could until the time you couldn't. So, what are you talking about? Of course, he did play the lazy ass first base position. So I don't know. That's... Don't put my uh, personal information out there like that, Because <laughs> I played baseball, I'd be ruined. Well, well yeah, that is probably. Well, I don't think James. James, didn't you skip t-ball? <laughs> I was so good, I didn't have to play T-ball. Yeah, he picked his teeth with that T. Who needs a T to hit the ball off of? You know, it's funny that we're talking about baseball right now. I was hitting 90-mile fastballs when I was eight years old. James, okay, you're full of shit, first of all. (laughs) Second of all, it's funny that we bring up baseball because um, today, for Mother's Day, I took my mother to a little restaurant in Scottsville, Kentucky, a little little mom-and-pop diner called Earl G. Dumplings. You ever heard of that, James? Scottsville, Kentucky, Bill. Yeah, well. Did you get the frog legs? I didn't get the frog legs. I got the catfish. But um, ran into my very first baseball coach, Mr. Ronnie Whitaker. And, uh, well, okay. I thought that was terrible. (laughs) No, guess what? (laughs) He remembered me. All you, I remember you, old Lefty. 
could throw hard. I said, you're doggone right. Now eat that catfish and shut up and leave me alone. <laughs> Just kidding. It was really good to see well, him. It was always... You know, everybody had it out against you. Well, you know what? He knows. He was there firsthand. He got a league on a rail. <laughs> 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 this is a true story, but I'm not going to speak ill of the dead um, on this podcast, okay? But uh, I can tell you right we now. We just speak ill of the alive, like all the yeah, time. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak ill of the alive. Um, and so I'll just keep the, 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 the dead guy's name out of my mouth. But uh, Joe Latito, you can eat a bag of dicks, buddy. Because you know that nine-year-old lefty was going to mow your team down, so you want to be, he was born a month too late to pitch. You know what? Kiss my ass, Joe. Okay. Now that I got that out of my out of my <clears> system. <throat> I got another good story to tell, Bill. Oh, please. By all means. So, you know, I, uh, I recently became uh, born again say, uh, moved Sorry. up a tax bracket and got a fish tank. <laughs> is that what that signifies <laughs> the fish tank says it all i walked in and saw like the old gallon fish tank <laughs> no i, I walked in and saw the fans in the mirror in the window and knew he was poor but i looked over in the corner and i saw that fish tank <laughs> and i knew i was mistaken what kind of yes, fish I... do you have i don't know oh, okay. <laughs> a shark in there and some catfish a fucking shark and uh, some kind of what sucker pig. <clears throat> There's an eel in there. So let me yeah. tell you about this eel, Bill. <laughs> Please do. There I was. Oh, hanging out. Went to go get something to eat. Come back. The eel was gone. <laughs> no, that son was done. Jumped out of the tank. <laughs> you got to eat by the can. <laughs> 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 true story <laughs> well i thought there was more details like you you saw the you saw the cat picking his teeth with the bones over in the corner or no, something no i went was looking and they said there ain't no oil in there <laughs> <laughs> so we looked under everything and there he was gone so how did how nobody did you knows de- where eels come from well apparently nobody knows where they go either what how did you deduce the fact that your cat ate the, the eel? It's fine. Because keep your secrets. He was gone. It and that's the only just it. left. And he wasn't laying in the floor nowhere. So but if it you must dissect have... an eel, there are no sexual organs, and they've never been observed mating. So how do they reproduce? That's a good fucking question. I don't aliens? know. That's what I'm saying. No one knows where they come from. So you're telling me that nobody ever has like just taken two eels? Uh, put them in a tank and observe them for any amount of time with cameras and, and they're like fast do forward. They don't know. They don't know if they're male or female. Yeah, there are no sex organs. Well, if they put two males in there, they ain't never gonna see nothing happen. Well, I'm sure that you know, with, with trial and error, <clears throat> that they would be able to figure that out. Look, but eels saying... don't last. You know, eels don't live for like a hundred years. And nobody got time to sit and watch an eel for a hundred years. That's all marine biologists uh, have time to do is sit and watch. Greenland sharks live for like 300 years. George Cassin's a famous marine biologist. (laughs) I reached in and pulled out this. (laughs) They do. Look at that. I am a marine biologist now since I got this fish tank. Oh, Uh, yes. Yes. That's the qualification. So so we need to know the the eel question. I was watching this eel to see if it reproduced and it got away. That's now you'll okay. Never know. Yeah, because there are I no had more eels left. They reproduced. Oh, this reminds me, guys. I've I've got terrible news to share. 
Um, no. Yeah. yeah. No. Yes. What happened? Damn, so, Bill, you only had that thing for like a cup of coffee. Yeah, I bet they gave it to us. Oh, just saying the double sick. <laughs> no, God, James, no, I didn't. Um, yeah, we're we're all terribly saddened by the loss of uh, our beloved guinea pig, Milky Way. Damn, don't nothing last over there. No, James, <laughs> I come over. I come over for one paper view. He had a fish. I come over the next pay-per-view, it was just a tank. (laughs) (laughs) This is sad. James, fish don't last, man. Fish Fish do not last. I've got uh, five or six little fishies, and they've been around for a pretty good while. What kind you got? I don't know, man. They're fishies. He said that. Well, you're putting, like, animals that... You're putting, like, damn near mammals in your your tank, and I'm talking about little (laughs) goldfish. The ones whose eyes fall out after like a week. Get that gerbil to swim or something? <sighs> guinea pigs are gerbil. not gerbils. Guinea pigs do not go in fish tanks, Beetle. Not often. Well, apparently yeah. eels get out of fish tanks. So you're over there like... Yeah. You're you're over there I, giving I, a, an improper... Hey, mute up if you're going to holler at your old lady. <laughs> She's asking about the guinea pig. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, now you, got, now you got answers to question. Questions to answer. She'll come storming in here about that damn guinea pig. I'm gonna walk it over, baby. Yeah, you better. Billy, I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you for giving and a for the loss that your kids are experiencing too. What the hell happened? He sucked it up in the vacuum cleaner. When you really think about it, James, your statement is correct. Nothing fucking lasts over here. <laughs> I'm lucky to get out of there each pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> the food's poisoned. If I didn't, if I wasn't taking blood pressure medicine and insulin, I wouldn't make it out of there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I tried to kill them guys with uh, with well, I don't even know what you call them, the hamburgers that you make with like donuts as the the, the bun. You made that? It was <laughs> sort there of. You go. Here you go, it, Mr. Diabetes. Here's a hamburger <laughs> with a donut. <laughs> Have some extra. That's some extra icing on that. <laughs> oh, and I got a chocolate cake for dessert. <laughs> God damn it, James. So, well, listen. You know that, like, hamburgers are kind of greasy. And they're you know, pretty, pretty heavy duty. So, um, like, I had to go a little bit more reinforced than a regular donut. So, I used honey buns. <laughs> But the small ones, the little small, like, um, I don't know, Little Debbie or whatever. um, They're smaller ones, right? So, like, they're they're compact and they work great as a hamburger bun for these types of burgers. But you put the burger and the cheese and then the bacon and then an egg on it, like a fried egg. Hard fried egg. No, I don't. Well, this is what the standard donut burger is. I'm just okay. telling you what it is. I don't is. do those things, but go on. Well, there are places like, you know, in downtown Nashville where I had like one of the best ones that I ever had. And it gave me the idea to make them at home. But, um, yeah, it's a fact. James came over and we, uh, you know, when we do these wrestling pay-per-views, the funny thing is like, we don't even watch wrestling. We absolutely like hate today's wrestling product, but we still watch for the nostalgia. Those pay-per-views roll around. We want to get some good food on the griddle. We want to do something good, hang out, 
maybe just cut up a few hours and watch a wrestling pay-per-view and watch a guy come down to the ring and say, well, what's he going to do? And then he goes home at the end of the night. But one day I got the idea. I said, man, that, that burger was really good that I had. I bet James is going to love this. And so James comes over. We throw them together, use those honey buns as uh, as the, the, the bun. And like an hour later, like my toilets are clogged up because James goes up there and he's just like put a pile driver on my bathroom. And I'm not <clears throat> sorry about it. I gave him an upper decker. <laughs> he did not give me an upper decker. Um, he probably should have. I can't believe you guys aren't down with the donut burger. I don't know about the donut burger. I'm certainly not down with the egg thing, but a donut burger, I guess I would try. So you've never even had it. I'm not down with eggs like that. Okay, but I'm talking about with like with or without an egg. You've never had a burger with a donut as the bun. No. Okay, we're going to have to take this to Twitter. We're to see how to many people this. have done this? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess that's... We're, we're going to put out the feelers like to, just to see if anybody's ever had it. And then maybe we can go later in the week and, like, do you like it? Or maybe, like, they can comment on it, whether they like it or not. Vote on if you've had it, and then, you know, comment below. Tell us if you like it. Sure, sure. But I think they're pretty good. I would good. try it. Just no egg. I'm worried about eggs. Okay, okay. Well, speaking of people who have eggs, today is Mother's Day. And Wait a minute, what happened to that damn gerbil? Uh, she just got sick, man. Um, I thought at first it was like a digestive thing. Got the and COVID. No, um, like I thought it was a digestive thing, and so I got her some probiotics to help with her digestion. There's like constantly hay available. Got her favorite food. Didn't give her like any like crazy vegetables. Just like gave her like carrots like once a week, where they told us to you know give them as a treat and you know took good care of her kept her cage clean and then all of a sudden um she's starting to like mope around and stuff took her to the vet and that was uh, a little bit too late nothing worked got so dry, got that dry rot in her i guess so i don't know it's probably you it's probably you coming around giving her that evil eye i didn't touch that damn thing bill Maybe that maybe she died of a broken heart because you wouldn't love her like you like uh, you should have. Probably. It was sad though. It was it was sad to watch happen. That's very sad. I'm sorry. Thank you. Rick doesn't care. He's over there masturbating to gerbil porn. Probably. Condolences to the gerbil gods. Well, that's it's not a gerbil. It's a guinea pig. That's I. I oh you got God. me saying gerbil. Guinea pig you god. Sorry. Gerbil. Well. Guys, listen, we had to call an audible on this thing, did we not? We were going to watch the movie Shadow in the Clouds, just like their TikTok trailer said we were going to do. And then I made the point Uh that Friday the 13th is coming right up. And last time we did it afterwards. Well, last time we did it afterwards, but it makes more sense to do it ahead of time. It does, because we want to... We want to wish people. Well, yeah, you, you, <laughs> James is uh, catching on to the conspiracy. But you know, James wouldn't be <laughs> so behind if he would pay attention to that damn group chat that we have. Yeah, James is not a member. Yeah, I mean, like he's a member. Yeah. Well, he's yeah, he's a physical member of this group chat. Yeah, he, he does not sign into the group us. chat. Yeah, he doesn't it's sign on my into the group one chat. Phone, but not on my other phone. So oh, you know, two the phones. Damn. Hey, we get it. We have a fish tank and a phone. Told us, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't carry that one phone around with me. It stays at home. 
It just holds papers down on your desk. Yeah, until I gotta plug it up and do this podcast. Yeah. Well, we're glad you do, James. But, you know, in case you showed up thinking we're gonna review Shadow in the Clouds, we're not. We called an audible. Audible. And uh, we are... Uh, <laughs> we called an audible. Okay, James. You finished? <clears throat> Bill. Get it out of your system, James. Let me tell you something about Dog Man. Oh, please do. They're everywhere and they're killing people. I saw something I was going to tag you in. It was uh, kind of related. Well, yeah, especially in the woods. Don't go in the woods. Ever. James, you stay Stay in the woods. Well, Bill, you know, I've got protection. Condoms are (laughs) not going to help you with the Dog Man. (laughs) I've got anti-Dog Man stuff. Condoms. Okay. Is it green apple spray? Like what you use to keep a dog from chewing on something? No, there is stuff you can spray, though. For dogmen or regular dogs? No, dogmen. Oh, okay. It's a mixture of different stuff. You can spray around your property. Oh, if I thought this was like a, like a body spray, like a bug spray <laughs> situation. No, they won't want to spray this on you. It's Axe Toxic. for dogmen. <laughs> which is just regular axe yeah like once under each armpit once across the body dog well, man well it's all funny game so it's one paper in your window James. you'll be calling me saying oh is that a spray again <laughs> and how do I get it overnighted and I'll say axe by dog man <laughs> oh okay you're just gonna let me die then James I wanna know though like you, you, know you always well, I don't think so, James. The only time you're going to be over here is when you need a bush, a bush to piss in. <laughs> no, I'd be over pissing in bushes waiting on him to come back. You know, this is not a running joke, guys. This is real deal. Um, the other I your I neighbor, your neighbor would scare off dog man because as soon as he heard movement, he'd be out that door. <laughs> <laughs> so James and I are outside my door, and I've got a next door neighbor, right? <clears throat> so, um, and this is in a, like a townhome, by the way. So James. Instead of walking into my home and walking the 10 feet that it takes to get to my bathroom, he goes around to the side of the building and pees in the bushes. And it's pitch black out. But as soon as James walks by this guy's window, like he he had no like no more than made it around the corner. And that guy just busts out the front door. And there I am just like looking at him sitting in my fr- you know in my front seat of my of my oh, truck. Shit. And, uh, I just nodded, gave him the white people face and he went back in. Um, <laughs> and then James came back around the corner, I guess, after he heard us stop talking. So <laughs> he knew the, the coast was clear, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, James is going to turn those bushes yellow with all that ammonia in his pee. And, uh, <laughs> the neighbor's going to know what was up. Probably why the dog man ain't come over yet, Bill. <laughs> You've laid the scent down. He, he knows he can, there's nothing for him here. There's already been one here. Well, James, I'm glad you're doing it on that side of the building. But, guys, let's talk about this movie, if we the can. Superior Friday the 13th movie, you mean? I it don't is. Want to, Bill. Yeah, some of the, there's a lot of things I don't want to do, but I have to do them, James. And we're doing this for the uh, for the good of the horror community, those who listen to the slashers and screamers podcast yeah we always said that you know we're going to try to do sequels few and far between even though james's you know very first pick was a sequel i'm pretty sure um i'm not opposed to sequels i guess our soft rule 
was that we weren't going to do sequels until we did the first movie. And we're all in line for this movie. Yeah, we, we are in line for, for Friday the 13th Part 2. But Exorcist also... Part 3, on the other hand. Mm, well, yeah, we, we did Exorcist 3, and that was kind of out of order. But, hey, I'm glad we just didn't do Part 2. So, with this one, though... The reason that we're doing this one is because the upcoming Friday will be Friday the 13th. And we'd always said that on Friday the 13th, whenever it falls, we're going to try to do another Friday the 13th. I may go ahead and try to forego that in favor of just having part one and part two. Part two is where it began (laughs) and where it ended for me. Nothing in the Friday the 13th saga ever did anything groundbreaking. It was kind of always just a continuation of what had been the classic formula. But Friday the 13th Part 2 stands alone for me, personally. And y'all might hate it, but I absolutely love it. It was my very first horror flick. It probably had my first set of movie boobs. And, to this day, remains my favorite horror flick of all time. So It's definitely the best Jason movie. Oh, so you agree. That's good to know. Rick, do you surmise that this would be the the, the top Friday the 13th movie, or do you have another one in mind? No, I think part two is, for sure. A lot of people like the the, the first Corey Feldman, or well, the first Tommy Jarvis one with Corey Feldman. That's always a popular one. I love Corey Feldman. I love Corey Feldman. Don't get me wrong, love him, but part two is superior. These movies get on my nerves. You get on our nerves. All of the above is true. I know the Friday the 13th movies get on James's nerves, and James does get on our nerves. Tell me why these movies get on your nerves, James. Oh, I got one thing to say, Bill. I hope you have more. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to let the song start. That's the reason you don't send that to me. (laughs) Or maybe that's the reason you don't send it to me. I think it's the reason I do. Uh, Guys, in case you didn't know what that was, I'm sure Casey does. I don't know if Rick does. Um, There's a... Well, okay. Well, um, I'm sure you could hear it, but couldn't make out what was going on, right? Yeah. So this is a little clip of... I don't know. It was like some accident that had happened, and a guy's calling for an ambulance. He's saying, somebody call an ambulance. But, you know, in his southern accent, it sounds like he's saying, Ambalam. (laughs) And so he runs through and call an Ambulam. Somebody call an no, Ambulam. I, I think he's pretty much saying Ambulam. Well, he is. Okay, that's way too loud. God. To stop okay. <laughs> You're proud of yourself, aren't you, James? Ugh. <sighs> That is hours of entertainment. It's hard being this great, isn't it? I wish I'd never sent that to you. <sighs> How's the people in Brazil eat their burritos without hearing that song? <laughs> I don't know that they do, James. That's that's how I like to kick off the day, and I suggest you do it the same way. I'll tell you what, I've been digging on this salsa that uh, I found at the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> I don't want to hear anything you. about I don't want to hear anything about anybody else's salsa, James. I'm sick of talking to you about salsa. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, listen, we did Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th, uh, quite a few episodes ago. In August. 
back in August, and we had our good friend James Alexander as a special guest. And thank you again, James, for doing that. Uh, I'd like oh, to yeah, have James back on. That movie. <laughs> there can that only be one James. Thanks, there can only funny. be one James. Oh, he's a funny <laughs> guy, James. Funny or something. <laughs> Going around these comedy clubs telling little jokey jokes. Telling his little jokes at these comedy clubs. <laughs> well, you know, everybody except James Brown here uh, appreciates James <laughs> Alexander, and we do want to have James back, back on. In 10 minutes, and I'll have you entertained. I'm sure, James. You got a mic on your head right now, so let me know when that entertainment starts. But Are you not entertained, baby? <laughs> Do I I'm need to play that song again? No, no, you do not. But I am quite entertained. And this movie, Friday the 13th Part 2, picks up where Friday the 13th leaves off. And we get a little flashback at the beginning of this one. As Alice, who was the heroine and final girl from Friday the 13th, is seen just decapitating Miss Pamela Voorhees at the end of the film. Very excellent build-up to... Uh, this movie because we're seeing it in like a dream format and we see alice lying in bed having a little nightmare um and finally wakes up right so this happens two months after the events of the first film in, in the timeline so knowing what we know did you guys really like this cold open to me this this cold open it basically nailed me down in front of the in front of the tv no, we're going to talk about like who's in the movie and when it came out and Oh, we are. We are. We're we're we're, we're, we're definitely going to do that. I want to I want to get past this cold open. Good god. I want to know how you felt about the cold open because to me it was the hook, the line and the sinker. I just want to know who's in this movie. That's James, it doesn't matter to you. You're going to shit on them either way. The credits I mean, is all I, I want to see. I I would say yeah cuz it's all it well, I mean it's always grabbed my attention when I've watched it. So I bet you definitely, are. but also Adrian King had some real shit going on. Um, when they asked her to bring this role back, she said she wanted to be on screen for a very short period of time because she had had numerous encounters with an obsessive fan. She actually ended up avoiding further acting opportunities and hasn't done any on-screen film work since. I heard that. There's what? also some stuff, yeah, so obsessive fans, like, came after her. I don't know, like, it, it, they didn't come after her for, like, negative reasons. They came, well, it was a negative reason. But, like, not because she did a bad job, because they were obsessed with her. And, like, was it one obsessive fan, or was it multiple? I think it was one, right? I think it was one with multiple encounters. Okay, okay. She well, was there... in some, some other movies as, like, an extra and a stunt performer in Ghostbusters. No shit? Yep. Well, shit, Rick, you know, we may as well just go ahead and do the rundown then, because we're going to spit out some info that you might have already dropped on us by then. Mm -hmm. So have at it. Rick's rundown coming at you right now. Please do. All right. We did a Friday 13th Part 2. It's a 1981 American slasher film directed by Steve Miner. Um, I could really go down the list of what Steve Miner's done. He's done a lot of stuff that horror people would know and people mm -hmm. that also watch like TV shows and stuff. He's done part two, Friday 13th, part three. He did House. He did Soul Man. He did Warlock, which we reviewed on here. He did um, Halloween H2O. He did Lake Placid. He did Day of the Dead, 2008. He's done TV shows such as Dawson's Creek. He's done other TV shows such as uh, Chicago Hope, Diagnosis Murder, The Practice, Felicity, Smallville, 
North Shore or Psych, Eureka. I could keep going on and on. But yeah, he um, directed this. Uh, this came out on May 1st, 1981. And it's crazy because Friday 13th, the first one, came out May 9th, 1980. So it was barely a year after the first one that they were just like, oh, we're just going to release another one. Um, 87 minutes long. The budget was at $1.25 million. It did $21.7 million in the box office. Um, it was edited by Sean, by Susan S. Susan E. Cunningham, who was Sean S. Cunningham's wife at the time. Uh, Harry Manfredi did the music. Um, it was released by Paramount Pictures. Uh, some of the main people in the film were um, Betsy Palmer, who we praised her role as Pamela Voorhees. Amy Steele, who was Jenny Field. Uh, she's known in um, April Fool's Day, 86, the comedy Walk Like a Man, um, and a thriller called Play Nice from 1980 or 1992. Um, Adrian King, as Casey mentioned, she was Alice Hardy. Um, she's not really known for much besides this, in my opinion. Um, Warrington Gillette was Jason Voorhees when he was unmasked. And that's pretty much it, honestly, that I can think of. But yeah, that's what we reviewed. Yeah, so you, you brought up the fact that it was only a year later that they that they brought Friday the 13th part two back out. That was actually the original plan, but it wasn't meant to be a sequel. Well, a sequel of sorts, uh, but part of an anthology type movie. So they wanted to come out with a movie once a year, but be unrelated story wise. Somebody approached um, Steve Miner or Sean S. Cunningham, and th they made the decision that they were going to, you know, have this be a continuation of Friday the 13th and have, you know, they basically insisted that the sequel have Jason Voorhees, Pamela's son, even though in the original, um, his appearance was only meant to be a joke, um, completely not serious at all. So that's, that's what happened there. I'm glad they did it that way because, you know, we've got these ridiculous number of films to, uh, to watch, but I mean, now he's one of the Mount Rushmore guys on slasher horror, uh, I don't think anybody could really deny that. James probably would. But, I mean, who doesn't put Jason Voorhees on your Mount Rushmore of slasher horror? Well, I mean, he's done he's some, definitely, some... Yeah. Go ahead, Casey. Sorry. Definitely. I was just going to say, like, absolutely, if there's, you know, a Mount Rushmore top four, who, how could you not put him on there? Like, what? Probably, for me, the ones I think of for, like, uh, like you know, A-line horror would be Freddy, Jason... Michael Myers, probably Ghostface. The the fourth one always is like up for debate with most people. I've seen people do um, Texas Chainsaw, mm -hmm. but for me, I would say Ghostface. That fourth one always is a debate, um, but the first three usually are not. I, I it's pretty pretty well cemented that you know Michael Myers, Jason, and Freddy are are those first three, and then the fourth I see fluctuate between Leatherface or Chucky or Ghostface. Or uh, who else uh, could we throw on there? Uh, but Hulk McGee. Okay. <laughs> Poor old James probably put you, uh, Ash Williams up there. <laughs> but you know, I never get... seen Xenomorph. Ain't even on my Mount Rushmore, baby. Oh, Voorhees. I'm sure he's not James. Uh, by all means, go ahead and let us know who is on your Mount Rushmore. Yeah, who's on yours? I'm gonna say uh, ragtag group of nobodies. Michael Myers, he's a George Washington. Oh, so you got him a places assigned. Then you got old Freddie. Freddie Fender. <laughs> Freddie Fender. 
Then you got the creeper bill. Jeepers Who? Creepers. The creeper. That, what? You put that fucker on your Mount Rushmore? Wow. Okay. I do love that movie. Been He's had two movies. More haunted houses than anybody. I don't think that could possibly be true. James is making up facts. A girl told me the other day that the second most common pet in Tennessee was a ferret. The second most? Cats. That's a lie. I was like, there's absolutely no way that's true. And she was like, it is, right after cats. And I was like, someone has wronged you. Like, that's not real. Yeah, someone didn't love you enough to tell you the truth. Nobody loves ferrets enough for them to be the second most popular pet in this state. Tennessee is a lot of things, but it's not that far not f- gone. Yeah, it's not a ferret state. Continue, James. You're Mount Rushmore. We've got Freddy and uh, the Creeper. <laughs> What's his name? Michael Myers. Oh, yeah, Michael Myers. And Where's then the fourth him? one is probably the Predator, right? Well, Bill. Damn, I didn't want to get the cat out of the bag. I do like the Predator. So he'd probably be the fourth one. James, you built us up just to let us down. You know, I'm going to go ahead and say it, Bill. The Predator oh. can take out all three of them others. You know, in, in a hypothetical situation, you're probably right. Because, you know, the Predator don't sleep, so he ain't got to worry about They don't sleep. The Freddy Krueger. No. Oh. They don't need no sleep, Bill. I thought they just had shifts out in the jungle. Well, it James, is, uh, how out, are you going to deal with Jason? He's undead, man. He just keep chopping his head off. Have you ever seen a Jason climb a tree? He ain't going to get to him. You know, I'm tired of trying to put logic into illogical situations. And I'm not even going to entertain uh, an argument with a guy who thinks a gorilla would beat a grizzly bear. The predator's agile. He's going to start crying. <laughs> I've already started crying. <laughs> the predator's agile, Bill. He's agile, hostile, and mobile. And, guys, let's talk about this cold open. What happens in the cold open? Alice wakes up from her from her nightmare, and she's all alone in her apartment, her house, whatever it is. And she goes to take a shower. If you'll remember, she decapitates Pamela Voorhees. Okay, this is a really important part. So she, she wakes up in her house. She you know, has a conversation with her mom on the phone. She goes to take a shower. Uh, then she's interrupted by another phone call. This time, nobody's on the line. Okay, we got a little scream situation going on, except they're not talking. And then the classic, I heard a noise in the kitchen. So where do you go? You go to the kitchen, you grab an ice pick, and probably the most memorable jump scare of my childhood, and I hope it got you too, but the cat jumping in the window absolutely scared the shit out of me as a kid, and it might be the most important jump scare in my horror history, if I might say so. I certainly got God. I hope you got God. I know Rick, you know, he's a cat lover, so he probably didn't even flinch. I well, know James jumped ice, out of his... Ice pick is such an underrated weapon to choose. That was a good choice. It is underrated because it's skinny and it goes in quick. Everybody's got an ice pick when it comes to this movie shit. They always get the ice pick out. How many movies can you think of with an ice pick, James? Several, Bill. Okay. I know I've seen several on-screen ice picks. Well, the cat... Jump scare, the most important jump scare of my history, because that is the one that as a four-year-old kid, if even four, um, it made me think, okay, this is what I'm in for. This is the type of movie I'm in for, because this is the first Friday the 13th movie that I saw as a kid. I, I had to backtrack and watch the first one. But, you know, the the, the, the cat scares are jumping in the window. Um, this she goes is the one you'd always drag out when I come over when we was younger, Bill. I know, James. I had to, I had to get you in it, man. 
I had to get you in it. I mean, how else do you, you throw some? Well, you throw somebody in the deep end and hope they can swim, and you swam, James, and I'm so proud of you. I'm but she had to feed. Watching this thing. That's that's the name of the game. But you know, she she was going to try to feed this cat, and she opens the fridge, and what do we see? A head, a Jello mold, <laughs> a Jello mold with a head in it. Not only a head, but it was kind of debated. What the fuck was that? It's debated on whose head that was. And it is actually Pamela Voorhees' head that Jason stuck in there for preservation purposes. Yeah, some people thought that it didn't look anything like Pamela's head. I thought it was, I mean, like, I never questioned it. Yeah, it made sense. But there were, like, some people that did not did not believe that it was Pamela's head. It was just like some random victim. Um, because when you look, the hair's a little darker. Um, it it really doesn't look like Pamela's head. But we know that in, in story, it is meant to be Pamela's head. It, it only makes sense because we have a, you know, well, we have reasons to believe later on that you know, that's what it is. So what happens? Somebody's shoving an, uh, an ice pick into Alice's temple and she gone. That's our cold open. Rip. Rest in peace, Alice. Oh, sweet. <clears throat> it was very quick. But, you know, the, it kind of, um, it was kind of funny because th- there was just a film, I want to say in 2020 or 2021, that was called, actually, I don't even want to say what it was called because I'll get it wrong, but it was like a fan film of Friday the 13th, and Alice shows up, so it just completely ignores uh, part two. Yeah. So, and sort of, what is the deal with that audio? Who Who keeps... Spitting in audio. Is that Tell you, me. James? Who do you yeah. think? Bullshit. It is. I keep oh, I picking up things in my life. I keep picking up your fucking uh cell phone or something. Are you watching videos over there? If you are, mute it. Yeah, Billy, the, the fan phone Shut is up, called Rick. Jason Jason Rising. Jason Rising, <laughs> that was it. Jason Rising. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fucking uh uh, Jim Morrison, James Morrison over here. <laughs> so Jason Rising had Alice. That's a damn good bleak. I'm sure. Well, you know, hey, if you go back and watch it, it it is like definitely a fan film, but it's fun. It's a fun fan film. I watched it the the night that it dropped, and I was pretty happy with what what they did with such a low budget. But Alice was in this film at the end, and so that would insinuate that it ignores anything that happened in part two and onward. But there was also a phone call. There was also a phone call that happened with child psychologist, Jenny field on the, on the movie. So like Jenny is still a person. Um, so I'm guessing that, I don't know. It's just meant to blur the lines between the sequels, but that was two months after the events of the first film, five years after this is when we jump into today's story. The, the, the meat and potatoes of Friday the 13th Part 2. All right, there's a new summer training camp for counselors being opened at the new Pakanak Lodge, or Camp Pakanak, which is, um, I guess, adjacent to Camp Crystal Lake. And where we join is when we see Sandra and Jeff, played by Marta Kober and Bill Randolph, my very favorite couple in this film, uh, even though there aren't many, but there are a couple of meant-to-be couples. But Sandra and Jeff, they're the good couple. I mean, they're just a fun-loving, very much in love 
two people who it's, you know, you just love to follow these guys. So, but they're on their way to camp, but they're going to first meet, um, well, actually we, we need to back up. We can't just talk about where they meet Ted. We need to talk about where they're on a payphone. L- let me ask you, when was the last time you used a payphone? Uh, man, shit, like 2005, six. No, I lied. No, I lied. 2012. Oh, you must have been stranded out in the middle of nowhere, Rick. It was in an airport, so it counts. Okay, I guess it does count. But a phone booth, um, I guess, is what I should really specify. Oh, I haven't used like a... 2005, six. Yeah, I haven't used one since 2004 in I want to say San Diego, and yeah, mm, so well just... vagina. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know what happens in a phone booth in San Diego? Yeah, I know. I know. Tell him, James. I'm too mad. You don't talk about it. Okay. Well, I won't talk about it. But they're on a phone call, and they're, uh, Jeff's truck is getting towed. And I like this this part of the movie because you know it shows uh, the personality. Jeff's chasing down this uh, this tow truck, and he's like, "Hey, this is my truck. This is my truck." asshole this is my truck kills me every time his face just a fun guy i don't know i really like this part but this is where they meet their friend who is kind of behind the the joke of the truck getting towed ted and ted is i guess he's going to be known as the the prankster of camp and he's played by Stu charno i don't think i really can't think of anything i've ever seen him in besides friday the 13th part two you just made that name up, Bill. I did. It was it was really hard to find, but um, I had to pull one out of my ass just so I could have somebody to say. But before they meet Ted, they run into a guy that's a recurring character who's probably one of maybe three, no, four recurring characters from part one. And we're talking about Crazy Ralph, played by Walt Gorney, R.I.P. And he's saying that they are all doomed if they're going to continue on to camp. By the way, y'all need to follow Crazy Ralph on Twitter because he's awesome. Like the, the fan account? <clears throat> yeah, it's a fan account. He's awesome. Uh-oh. Yeah. So, so we'll, we need to put that into the uh, the link, uh, the bio. Uh, what the fuck am I trying to say? The, the episode bio. We'll put the link in the episode yep. bio. Um, the entire cast of this film has like a fan account and they all kind of interact on, on Twitter. Um, it's fun to follow along with. But we, we do meet a few of our other counselors. All right, so I guess we need to kind of go down the line. First of all, head counselor Paul, played by John Fury, been at a couple of things. Um, We've got Scott and his crush, Terry, who you'd know as the girl in the uh, the booty shorts and the cut-off T-shirt. Probably known as the hot chick in the movie, even though, like, there's three or four of them. Terry was the one that really catches your attention, especially with the skinny-dipping scene. But Scott's wanting her. He never can win her over. He's dancing with her dog later. Whatever. Uh, then we've got Mark, who uh, who's the wheelchair-ridden, uh, quote-unquote, teenager after uh, a motorcycle accident. One of the best kills in the whole series. Rick, you're, you're getting ahead of me, but I'm going to tell you right now, the very best in every, well, of any Friday the 13th movie that's ever been put out there. Like, it, nothing beats it. There's so much with that scene that makes it the greatest, and you are 1,000% correct. And I believe Tom McBride is also passed on, uh, who, play, who played Mark. He's going to get uh, there. He can't run it, tell us yet. Dang. You're talking about what happened to Tom McBride? Yeah, what happened to that guy in the wheelchair? Oh, I don't know. Um, run him off a uh, uh, wheelchair access ramp? Uh, well, you know, pretty close. Pretty close. It's not like Lieutenant Dan from... Um, 
from Forrest Gump. But uh, but Mark's love interest is Vicky. Um, she doesn't really do anything of note in the film, but she's really nice to to Mark. So that's kind of like her endearing feature. Um, like she doesn't judge him for you know she doesn't think um like he's any less because he's you know handicapped. She is all about some Mark, and Mark is all about some Vicky. We'll get into them later. But you know this is Paul, where you know he he gives a the the safety rules and precautions for what is to happen at Camp Pakenak as they're waiting for the counts or the the campers uh to arrive. So this is kind of their orientation before camp. So just curious, who are your favorite characters out of the ones I just named? Pamela. I personally <laughs> Pamela is great. Um just the simple fact that she was like in such serious films and really didn't even like the fact that she was going to be in a horror flick. And then she turns out to be like one of the, I guess, most famous faces in all of horror. I would say Amy Steele. I like her a lot. Amy Steele's great. Yeah, she is. James, who's your favorite? James. The guy in the wheelchair. <laughs> so speaking of Amy Steele, Rick, Jenny shows up. She's a little bit late. Paul gets on to her. And they have a little meeting, but... It's kind of obvious that they've got a little romantic thing going on, right? So they're they're flirty. It's like, oh, Paul, and don't let it happen again. And then, of course, we see him make it. But, oh, yeah. Classic. Oh, yeah. He's obviously got his favorite and his Jenny. But, you know, later on in the night, they're well, sitting around a campfire. Are these all the people that are in the game? No. But it's funny that you asked that. Everybody in that game is meant to meet like an archetype of character. And there's one uh, the one character. Uh, did you play it? It doesn't seem like something you'd play because there's a lot of potential promotion game, right? sickness. It is. Yeah, I played it with my brother and I threw up. Uh, see, okay, I knew it. I, I, I yep. knew that had to be something that was going to happen. <laughs> like, I, I knew that wasn't all there was to it, Casey. You didn't just play this game. You also blew chunks. <laughs> I tried really hard. I was so excited. It was so nice of him. He came home to visit because he doesn't live around here. And he was like, I got this game that I think you'll like. And I had heard about the game before from Billy. He was like, I got this game. We should play it. And I started playing it and it did not last very long. And then I tried to watch him play it, which was also an unsuccessful journey. But while it lasted. Oh, I had fun. It was, it was pretty fun. great, right? I, mean, I might have put more hours on that game. I got than, got. Oh, yeah. If you, The worst part about that game is when somebody gets got and they quit. It's kind of like, man, that's kind of the, the premise of a horror game. Like, getting got is supposed to be the thing that, like, just drives your uh, anxiety up, you know, playing this game. W when Jason shows up on screen, um, there's, like, a little VHS tape scratch that goes on and then the music intensifies that like when that game was new that was some exhilarating shit man yeah it was the simplest of video games but delivered the most fun if you uh if you're a fan of the friday the 13th movies even if even if you're not but around this campfire and like is this not like one of the the, the staples of horror film the campfire story for sure have I mean, a, a lot of story yeah a lot of horror movies start with that any kind Some of, of the movies, camp should involve a camp story, like a yeah. campfire. Yeah, I don't think there was one in Sleepaway Camp. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? There, right. no, there. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was. I know in uh, Madman there was. Um, 
Madman's campfire scene is what set off the, the chain of events. Yeah. Well, in this one, Paul is given the rundown, kind of telling it in a, I guess in the format of a spooky story, just to scare his counselors. Um, but he tells the counselors about Jason and how he drowned. And then, you know, Pamela came to avenge him and killed a bunch of people. And then somebody named Alice chopped off her head. And then, of course, Ted comes out of the woodworks with a mask and a spear screaming. You think something's about to go down. Pulls off the mask and it's his silly ass. And then Paul tells everybody, there's nothing to worry about. It's just a story. Jason's dead. Go hang out in the lodge. And, you know, just remember that the original campsite is off limits and to stay away from it. And that's all you need to know. But they're not staying away, are they? No. No, of course not. Jeff and Sandra, they're you know they're off to see Camp Crystal Lake, aka Camp Blood. Uh, they saw some of the the signage on the way up to camp, but now you know everybody's kind of intermingling. Scotts, he's trying to win Terry over as well he should. Uh, Jeff and Sandra, they're dancing. Um, Jenny and Paul are playing chess. Mark is over there arm wrestling uh, with Vicky, kind of being his his hype gal. And, of course, you know, Jenny steps out to go to her cabin where she meets Paul. And they're doing their thing while Crazy Ralph's out fapping in the bushes. And this is, um, this is where we get our first, I guess, modern kill uh, during the five years later. And who eats it but Crazy Ralph. He's out there spying on Jenny and Paul. Mm-hmm. He's got his back to a tree and... Jason gets him with some barbed wire or some rope or something and uh, chokes him and Crazy Ralph is gone. So R.I.P. Crazy Ralph, you made it through two movies, which is a lot better than than most, but now he gone. So the next day, you know, the counselors, they're, uh, they're doing their training activities. Uh, they're doing some swimming. Um, they're telling jokes. What were some of the jokes that they told um, by the lifeguard stand? Um, there was one that's kind of inaudible because Ted's audio isn't the best, but Jenny tells a joke that says, um, and I'm paraphrasing, like, what's red and green and goes uh, 100 miles an hour? <laughs> <laughs> a frog in a blender. It's sad, yeah. but it's funny. And then Ted's buildup was what's brown and sits on a piano, but I have never known the punchline to this one. I Maybe think it's, it's something like, the one like in the Breakfast Club where there is no punchline. Well, there's a punchline. He says it, and they all laugh, and I'm just like, I don't know what he said. I think it's like, okay, what's brown and sits on the piano, I think the punchline is Beethoven's last movement, or something like that. (laughs) What are you doing over there, James? Uh, Deep throat in your mic? That's my piano. Do you remember that video I sent you, James? I don't think I sent it to Casey and Rick. If James plays that video, I will hit Yeah, he'll he'll never find it. But um, there's a guy holding a microphone up to another guy who's supposed to be showing off his vocal pipes. And he's like, (laughs) Porque te quiero. (laughs) And the guy just shoves the microphone into his mouth like so far. (laughs) I've got to share this one. Okay. Uh, even James thinking about it is making him laugh. Um, I'll get it. <laughs> it's pretty good. I'll get it to you guys. But while they're out there telling jokes and swimming and stuff, um, Jeff and Sandra sneak off and they're going to go over to Camp Blood. Sandra wants to see what's going on over there. Why is it taped off? Why is it off limits? But they get caught by a police officer who turns them into Paul. And, uh, you know, Paul doesn't care. Okay, Paul doesn't care. He's he's like, well, just uh, make sure you don't do it again. The officer's kind of, you know, thrown off by the fact that, you know, Paul's not going to do anything about it. 
And he says, uh, well, first of all, he said, James, turn down the volume on your alerts there. And then second, he says, aren't you going to punish these guys? And Paul says, yeah, make sure they don't get any seconds on dessert. Well, up to this point, we've seen a couple of scenes of some stalking going on, right? We didn't get uh, any view of Jason, or I'm sorry, um, I shouldn't say Jason. The stalker. We don't know we, who it is. Yeah, Bailey. we don't know who it is. I'm sorry, guys. Um, Didn't mean to spoil it this early. But we didn't get any look at our stalker when he was stalking Alice, if he or she was stalking Alice. And we haven't gotten any looks at anybody who might have been stalking Jeff and Sandra and Ted on their drive up. Because you remember there was a log in the road that they had to move to drive around it. And But we could see somebody's hands kind of like pushing the, the branches down to, to further do their stalking. Well, we don't know who it is, but as the police officer is driving away, this is Officer Winslow, uh, by the way, not to be mistaken with Officer Carl Winslow from Family Matters, but Officer <laughs> Winslow is driving yeah, down this... Know is driving down this back road and we catch a small glimpse of a guy running across the road and jumping into the woods and running off. It is a split second. And even if you pause the, I like to say pause the tape because this is how I watched it originally. Even if you pause the tape, you don't get a lot. You see, like he's obviously wearing some overalls, like a flannel type shirt and something over his head, but we don't get a really good look. But we know it's not anybody from camp, or at least it doesn't appear to be anybody from camp. Some kind of trespasser, and the officer pursues him through the woods when they make it down to, uh, I guess you could call it a dilapidated shack. You could. That's exactly what you could call it, actually. I would call it dilapidated. Mainly because I just learned the word dilapidated. I thought that's something you did with your eyes when you were getting them checked. Uh, Okay. What am I thinking of? Dilated. Dilated. Thank you. I thought that was something you did with your liver, or your kidney, or your liver. Um, gonna leave if we're doing uh sequels can i do uh top gun 2 is my next video well your next one is um shadow in the cloud so are you foregoing that one top gun 2 is not a horror movie it's pretty horrific we're not doing this the previews look garbage was near rick (laughs) i'm listening what are you saying i don't hear nothing (laughs) i would love to see james and rick in a fist fight God, that would be awful. That would just be awful. First of what all, my heart couldn't won? handle it. What What if, what if he won? did? What if it was like Hogan Andre and like James just thought he was going to just manhandle Rick and then all of a sudden Rick breaks the grip on his shirt because James has surely grabbed him and Rick just body slams him in the middle of the street. <laughs> That'd be pretty amazing, Bill. It would. Even James says so. But Officer Winslow. Okay, stop. (laughs) James, you're getting into the danger zone now. You're going to get us sued by Freddie Loggins. (laughs) Not Freddie. Yeah, Freddie. So, guys, Officer Winslow chases. Inside. uh, We got the inside dope. (laughs) We do. So, listen. The, the officer chases this trespasser into the woods, into this shack, and he opens the door and he sees something. We don't know what he sees. This, to me, I guess kept me really engaged if the, the chase through the woods didn't do it. But we see that there's light because, you know, the, the, the officer had like an orange type of glow 
on his face once he opened the door. But behind him, we saw some footsteps, you know, some, uh, I guess some footsteps. We, you hear footsteps. So what am I trying to say? You see some feet walking towards him. And then all of a sudden, the, the back end of a claw hammer goes into the back of his brain and the officer's done. But we can pretty well tell that this is a very violent man. Person. Dug- well, I mean, I'm just judging by the clothes. I mean, maybe it's a person. They don't look like women's boots. But I'm sure, uh, you know, a, a murderer doesn't worry about the aesthetic of wearing women's or men's boots. I mean, sure, it could be or a person. they just don't care. They don't care. I mean, if they're going to murder somebody, they may as well not care how they look. They don't care about the overalls. They don't. I mean, they're wearing overalls, first of all. Okay, so. There are ladies' overalls for sale at Target right now. I saw them today. You remember when people used to wear overalls and, like, only buckle one side of them as, like, a fashion thing? Maybe that was... It was very short-lived, but it Jerry happened. Jerry Lawler done that, baby. Well. That's just when he meant business. That is when he meant business, but look. Sometimes when I got my overalls on, I yeah, mean you're business. Mad. Strap down, baby. Pull that, well, you pull that strap down, let that one titty out, and you're, you're, you're in business. <laughs> well, this is where the... I guess the rubber meets the road, the turning point. What, what, James? Do you know there's a pay-per-view on that, Bill? I know there's a pay-per-view, and I'm going to watch it after this thing's done. You should have been over here today, but you're not here. We're here on the Slashers and Screamers podcast talking about Friday the 13th Part 2. And this is where the thing changed. When you're a stalker, James, if you're stalking people, what's the one thing you want to be able to, to, to happen in order for you to start taking them down one by one? You want them to they separate, do you not? Oh, God. And, and what do they do at this be, point? That You got to be quiet, Bill. Well, you do have to be quiet. But in order to, in order for even the quietness to, to take any kind of effect, they need to be separated. All right? <laughs> if I saw somebody, they'd hear, He'd <laughs> <laughs> be playing Danger Zone behind them. <laughs> so that night, Jenny, Paul, Ted and a shitload of counselors, they decide to go into town for, uh, I guess, a, a night out before the, the campers show up. But some of the important people decide to stay back. James's favorite, Mark, his love interest, Vicky, Terry, who Scott's in love with, and Scott, they all stay back. Uh, Jeff and Sandra, part of their punishment was to stay back at camp as well, you know, for sneaking off. It wasn't mentioned at the beginning, but I think uh, Paul kind of threw that into the last moment feeling bad for not giving any kind of punishment. But Jeff and Sandra have to stay back. Well, one by one, Jason comes in, all right? First to go is my personal favorite, Terry. She goes skinny dipping, and it's a pretty lengthy scene. And honestly, I <laughs> I said this was probably my first, uh, <laughs> my first movie boobs, but it's probably my first top and bottom half, if we're being honest. But she goes skinny dipping, and perv of the year, Scott, he kind of, kind of comes in behind her, and we're kind of led to believe that, you know, based on the camera angles, that this is the stalker. But it's actually Scott, and he steals her, he steals her clothes. But he gets caught in a snare, and I, this is another area of contention: whether or not this snare was set up by Jason. So I guess I, I turn it over to you guys. What say you? Do you think that this uh, this snare that's not uh, it's not? <laughs> oh God, I need a drink. This snare that Scott gets caught in was set up by Jason. Got got. He got got. What'd you just say, Bill? I asked if Scott was caught in this snare 
Well, actually, I know he was, but was the snare snot? Yes, I said snot, and then I corrected myself, James. I don't want to hear any old shit coming back up. I guess you're going to bring up something I said back in high school, too. I might. Well, James, what say you? Was this snare that Scott got caught up in set up by Jason or no? Probably. Thank you. Jason likes to set traps. Well, you know, you it, you have to think about it. How has he been surviving all these years? Like, his mother was killed. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously five years after his mother was brutally murdered by... He drinks. He likes pimento cheese sandwiches and red Kool-Aid. Well, he ain't going into town, first of all. How you know, Bill? Because people would notice him. Maybe he's just people... sneaking in there and getting him some pimento cheese and heading out with a loaf of bread. Well, well the only people I've ever seen buy pimento cheese are people who look like Jason Voorhees. But... Drinking that old pond water. Yeah. Well, listen, he's got to be surviving on something. People who buy pimento cheese look like my he's mom loves pimento cheese. It's well, you know what? Mrs. Grissom's pimento cheese. At the <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The two grossest people that I can think of right now are Jason Voorhees and Casey's mom for eating pimento cheese. How dare you, final girl mom? Find a better thing to snack on. I kind of like pimento cheese every once in a while. Well, we know you're gross already. That was never an area of contention. <laughs> when I go to the store and get pimento cheese and overalls, they think I'm Jason Voorhees. How many of the shoulders <laughs> on your overalls are buckled? Just one. Well, both of them, because I don't want to seem threatening when I get my pimento cheese. <laughs> <laughs> you want them to hand it over willingly, right? So yeah, you don't want to make this a a whole a whole issue. <laughs> so I go in there double strapped. <laughs> all right well okay so while scott is strung up in this this trap that is probably set up by jason per james um he gets his throat cut it's i mean it's as simple as can be uh they're using the back end of the machete in this scene as you can clearly see but uh scott's gone he got got and while terry was gone to get a little a little knife to cut him down he's been a uh, r.i.p he's been What's the word when they fire you? Um, something endeavored. He's Hi. been future ende- He's been future endeavored by Jason. So Terry comes back. She's still topless. She's got that damn towel wrapped around her neck. She sees Scott. She talks to him. She says, you better not fucking do this ever again. So, man, it just tells me she was going to go ahead and give him another shot. She was giving Scott the time of day. But she sees that his throat's been cut. She turns around. We don't see what happens to her, but you can only assume she's getting bludgeoned. She's getting stabbed up. Something. Terry's gone. Scott's gone. And the body Mark's count continues. Turn. Oh, yeah. It is now going to be Mark's turn. And he's the one that you oh, really... Oh, Mark. Yeah, you, you really start to feel good for him. Because, like, first of all, he's an arm wrestling champion. He's taking everybody out. And he's, you know, back at the cabin, arm wrestling the Jeff. The he's the one in the wheelchair, James. You know, he's going to be strong, Bill, if he's in a wheelchair. Well, yeah, of course. I mean... It, He's like, uh, you know, the, the guy on Not American Dad, um, the guy on the other cartoon, Family Guy, just a fucking upper body like a tank. And I, don't, I could be wrong. Was he actually wheelchair ridden in uh, real life? I don't think so, but I'll oh, check. Really? For some reason, I thought I thought he was. Damn, that pisses me off. He only plays one on TV, boo. Well, damn. So Mark and Vicky, I mean, Vicky's going to give it up. Okay, and like rightfully so because you know Mark is a hammer. Okay, he's not the hammer of this film, but he's a hammer. And and he's in a wheelchair. He's in a wheelchair. 
Only the legs don't work, James. She she made sure to to ask that. Well, Vicky goes to freshen up. She's gonna get that thing ready for Mark because he's gonna be giving free mustache rides. He don't even have a mustache. So while he's waiting for her, he rolls out onto the porch, and we can see that slowly approaching is somebody. We don't know who. We don't hear footsteps. You would think you'd hear footsteps, but he's just out there looking around, and the camera's getting closer and closer and closer. Until all of a sudden, boom, machete across the face, diagonally, and it gives a sickening thud. But what really drives home this kill for me, it is a clearly five slash kill. But what drives home this kill for me is the grainy footage, the rain, and he's rolling down the the steps that lead up to Pakanak. And I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't played the video game. But these steps that, roll, that go up to the Pakanak Lodge, and this... So stressful music. I don't know if it's like a an off-tune violin or what, but it's like one of the most gruesome tunes I've ever heard in a film. And that might be, you know, uh, another reason that it's just the perfect horror film to me. This is the number one kill in all of the Friday the 13th saga. I give it five, fuck it. I give it ten fucking slashes because it's the greatest. What say you about this kill? It's an incredible kill. Like, if, awesome. if I'm looking at the reasons that I prefer this movie, this kill absolutely sets it apart from the first. What say you, Rick? I'd say it's pretty awesome. I mean, I, I mean, I'll give it more than a five out of five for sure. Oh, shit, calm down, yeah. Rick. Since so when he goes down the steps and like you think he's gonna fall out of the wheelchair, but he doesn't. He just keeps going, man. <laughs> and that music is just bananas. James, tell me you love this kill because you sure as hell better. Well, Bill, I'm going to have to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen this kill. <laughs> really? The way, and the way you described it, it just doesn't seem like it's very exciting. <sighs> Other than the Shinsuke Nakamura theme song playing while he's rolling down these steps. It's pretty yeah, close. Tears. I, just, I just can't get into it. James, I've decided after 34 years of friendship, I believe it's run its course. <laughs> I believe this thing's over with. You are now dead to me. And You're I'm going to play the... Your best friend. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Never wow, mind. I just ruled out. You can play me out with the Shinsuke <laughs> intro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. I bow out, Bill. I wasn't even on the table. <laughs> Yeah, James, why did you automatically disqualify Casey? There's a lot of things Bill looks for in a best friend, and Casey's not got it. <laughs> what? What does that even mean? What am I, I looking for? So hurt. <laughs> and and really, it's not even clear why it's it's so hurtful. You just know that it is. <laughs> it's like not even being invited to a place where you were going to say you didn't want to go anyway. I think it's I, a compliment. I wanted. <laughs> You think it's, it's a, a compliment. compliment that you're not Billy's best friend. God. You're not best friend material. I'm so hurt. She's going to be hurt regardless, James. You're going to have to come with some pretty heavy apologies later. But now we're, uh, you know, Mark's bit the dust. He's gone. And the next thing that happens 
Izzy's got to switch weapons because now he's done the the unthinkable. You you never lose your weapon. You should never ever lose your weapon because now he's he's armless, not like literally armless. He has no weapon to kill with because it's stuck in Mark's face, rolling down the steps, and he ain't gonna go down there and retrieve it. So what's he do? He goes into Packenack Lodge and gets Ted's spear, the one that you remember seeing from uh, from the campfire scene. And who's he gonna interrupt? He's gonna interrupt Jeff and Sandra. They're in the middle of doing the hibbity dibbity. I know Casey likes that term. I do think it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it, but I think it's funny. (laughs) Where I'm from, they call it doing the (laughs) hibbity-dibbity. So stupid. Don't go to the frozen food section. Your boobs will harden. So, Jeff and Sandra are upstairs doing the hibbity-dibbity. And they actually get to finish this time. So that's, I mean, that's a plus. Jeff gets off his his last um, release before... But, you know, he, he finished, but he didn't even roll off. So that, that that's how you know it's good. That's how you know that, that Sandra... Well, I, damn it, you know what? I'm going to back off this, first of all. I have to back off these statements. I'm going to back <laughs> off these statements because I just thought of something. Did, didn't uh, Marta Kober get in, like, some kind of hot water for um, for something in this film? Mm, Is anybody aware of this? Uh, okay. I can't. I don't know. Yeah, it just occurred to me. and oh. like I, uh, Well, the girl that plays Sandra... Uh, Jeff's girlfriend, the 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 girl that we meet first in the movie outside of Alice. Um, so Sandra actually in the original cut of this film had a nude scene. Okay, and it turned out that she was only well, she was underage. They had to cut the scene, and destroy the footage, and, and whatnot. So, and I don't even think she was seventeen. I think she might have been sixteen in this film. Yeah. As opposed to like, like she's obviously playing like a somebody who's old enough to be a counselor. Um, as opposed to Mark, who obviously is like thirty-five, playing a late teenager. But yeah, this is, is true. Um, I think she was uh, she was underage at the time of this film. So I'm going to have to cut my comedy short on this scene and just know that the only stabbing that actually happened was Jason running into the well, not running into the room, sneaking into the room. Puts the spear up in the air and puts it, he impales both Jeff and Sandra in a very cool, very creative film, uh, film, uh, kill. You don't get to really see much of it except for the spear getting all the way to the floor through the mattress with blood just, you know, gushing down on top of it. So that's where we lose Jeff and Sandra, my favorite two people in the film. All right. This is not the most creative kill, but very cool in knowing like with your own imagination what happened the spear goes through both of them sandra sees him you just don't see anything quite like it had there been i guess maybe an aftermath scene it would have really driven it home but this film had a little bit cut out of it like less than a minute and i do wonder what that minute looked like because this film could have very well gotten an x rating for obviously the violence um because nothing is like overly sexual in the film other than, you know, like the skinny dipping scene, obviously the lovemaking scene between Jeff and Sandra. Um, there's implied sex that's going to happen between Mark and Vicky. But really, this is mild stuff. And I wonder, like, how strict were those those <clears throat> ratings back in the day for this thing to, to Rudy, for this thing to get an X rating, possibly 40 something seconds were cut. What could have possibly been in those 40 seconds to, to get an X rating in this film? Decapitation, maybe, or something? I don't know. <laughs> well, they showed the decapitation. <laughs> 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 Go 
Calm down, <laughs> calm down, James. <laughs> okay. No, I didn't hide my Gatorade for a reason. James, you can have I your did. domestic dispute. Thank you. So now that uh, Jeff and Sandra are gone, Mark's gone. Um, Scott and Vicky, or Scott and who's the other one? All right, Bill, I'm back. I have to handle some business. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, I'll testify at the hearing. So, drug a damn man's <laughs> Well, Jenny and Paul are still alive. They're they're out on the town. I'm thinking of um, the girl oh, that went skinny stabbed? dipping. The one that went skinny dipping. Terry. God, I keep wanting to call her Vicky. I keep wanting to call two different girls Vicky, but Terry. Because Vicky's the uh, one who gets stabbed with the knife, right? Yeah, so the... so Vicky's up next. Once uh, Jeff and Sandra are gone, Mark's gone, Terry and Scott are gone. Um, the only one left is Vicky. And um, she's the one who walks in on, let's see, does she walk in on Jeff and Sandra? Yeah. Okay, so she walks in to find that aftermath. The sheets are just crazy bloody. And she lifts up the, the blanket. That's where we get the reveal, the big reveal for Jason. And I, I got to get your opinions on this uh, without any kind of influence. Compared to all the other iterations of Jason being part three through even the, the newest 2008, 2012 uh, version of Friday the 13th. Where does pillowcase mask Jason compare aesthetically to you? <laughs> It's a potato sack, Bill. Debatable. You mean like like ranking him or something, or like just general? Yeah, on on the scary level, like what? Obviously, the hockey mask is you know the more iconic. iconic. People recognize that more than anything. You tell somebody, "Hey, draw me a picture of Jason Voorhees." The hockey mask is going to be on there. But where do you stand on the 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 sack or pillowcase? It's a good one. Like, I think it's creepy. The hockey mask is just what stands out, I think. it's. Does that make sense? Like, there are cooler masks than the... Well, generally, in these slasher flicks that we've reviewed, we've always kind of had our our opinions on the aesthetic of the killer and how kind of lame the the masks were in Hellfest. Those masks did suck. Yeah, they kind of did suck. So, like, I I guess my, my question is, how do you feel about... You know, the, the, as James says, potato sack. The hockey mask is more iconic, but I definitely like this one. Rick? I like it. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like scary per se, but I like it as a, as a disguise, I guess. What say you, James? Bill? I know, you're not afraid of anything. With a potato sack on their head, they're getting uh, terminated with extreme prejudice. If you even saw him coming, James. If you even saw him coming. That's the beauty of stalking. Big old sack walking through the woods. Well, maybe I am of the minority opinion here, but I think the potato sack is the scariest of any Jason iteration. Like like the the single eye, maybe not so much the overalls. Um, But the, the potato sack compared to the hockey mask... I just don't think there is a comparison. There is just a different level of malevolence that I think this, you know, pillowcase radiates. And it made me the (laughs) most, most afraid of Jason from part two, like Jason from the rest of them. Sure. But Friday the 13th part two, Jason with the, the pillowcase is just other level scary. And even though, um, I'm trying to remember of a guy with a paper bag on his head. Well, first of all, it's not paper. I can too. 
I guess I would yeah, be scared case, if a one eyed man with a potato sack or a pillowcase or whatever you want to call it on his head showed up. With that holes cut out in it. <laughs> I worry well, about it, his depth perception, but it clearly isn't holding him back. Well it's funny you asked that because there was an issue with um with the mask having only one eye and how it would kind of get um like move around on the it's actually uh what was his name? Uh Steve Dash, I believe. Is it Steve okay, Dash? Who made these sacks? <laughs> so so you you had mentioned it earlier, Rick, that Warrington Gillette was Jason in this film. But actually Warrington Gillette was only the Jason who jumps through the window at the end. Spoiler alert. The one who played Jason throughout the film up until that point was Steve Dash. So he had major issues with a mask during filming to where they had to tape it to his face on the inside of the mask. And there were like big abrasions and stuff on his face. Um, just cause all kinds of issues. But in fact, the first time they tried to jump through the window the guy hit the wall that's the reason i had to change jason's because the one guy hurt himself because he couldn't see he had that mask on james he doesn't jump through the window with a mask on he's already had the mask removed by that point what kind of bullshit yeah. are you putting what kind of bullshit are you putting the, on the first guy tried to jump through there with a the mask and he couldn't see hit his head so he said let's do it without the mask james i want to know your your sources for this well bill yeah, I talked to the director the other day. <laughs> You're full of shit, James. Before I come on here. Well, with Vicky gone, well, everybody's gone now. Um, Jeff and, or I'm sorry, uh, Paul and Jenny have now returned to Camp Pakanak. And of course, they, they find the place just deserted. Nobody's around. Um, they head upstairs and go into the room where Jeff and Sandra were doing the hibbity-dibbity. So, they find blood everywhere, as you would when you've been murdered in your own bed. They don't know, you know, what's going on because Jason's not there anymore. He's hidden the bodies. He's vacated the premises, so to speak. And as they're looking around, one of the more memorable scenes, for me anyway, as, as, as they're kind of navigating through the dark, because the power's out, obviously, Jenny gets this feeling that someone's in the room with him. And Paul is over there looking through, well, whatever he can find. And Jenny says, Paul, there's someone in this room. He doesn't really pay her any <laughs> Paul doesn't really pay her any attention. And which he should have said, you know, what, what Casey just said. So she repeats, Paul, there's someone in this fucking room. And that's where the big fight happens. Jason's got a pitchfork. He attacks Paul. He gets, you know, he and Paul are having a, a scuffle on the ground. You don't know who's won this thing. Jenny gets close, and then Jason stands up, and it's him. He's he's knocked Paul unconscious. He may have killed him. We don't know. Jenny takes off running. She hides in the bathroom. She tries to get out through a window, but Jason, he appears outside, grabs her. She runs back out into the kitchen where she finds Crazy Ralph's uh Crazy Ralph's corpse hanging in the pantry. It's where I hide my bodies too. But she you know, she escapes the lodge. Um, and that's where we get you know the one of the most repeated tropes in all of horror film history: the car that won't start. But at least this time, at least this time they set it up earlier in the film, right? When she gets there, when, when she arrives to camp and Paul sees her, she goes up and like you know she's having car trouble. She swears she's having car trouble. That kind of lays the groundwork, but we didn't really pay you know pay much attention to that. But now yeah. her car won't start, and you know we get this really cool scene where Jason's like on top of the car, the pitchfork coming through the 
um, you know, the, the roof of the car. That's a good one. Well, she's being chased across camp by Jason. Um, and one of my favorite scenes is when she hides under the bed. Casey, do you have this same kind of, uh, I guess, reaction to four-legged, long-tailed critters in your home? Um, do I hide from my dog? Is that the question? That will be my follow-up question. My primary question is, <laughs> as a woman... Hello. Do, and do I am an you, adult lady. As an adult lady... Formerly a woman, now an adult lady. Yeah. Once a girl, not Do yet. I... I don't. I don't know how that title goes. Um, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Are you quoting Britney Spears? I knew we I were was best tr- friends. Eat I shit, was... James. <laughs> I was trying to, and I failed. <laughs> Eat shit and die, James. Eat shit and win, Casey. <laughs> Wait just a damn minute. <laughs> Are you afraid of mice, Casey? That's the question. Okay. You should There's remember a this. Potato sack. You should remember this from when our workplace was having construction done on it and there were mice running amok in that building. I am afraid of mice. To the point where, like, if one runs by you, you're going to urinate yourself? I don't know if I would pee my pants. Um, I, okay, so mice on their own, like one by one, don't really scare me. Mice as an infestation scare mm-hmm. me. Any kind okay. of infestation is a problem for me. So but like if someone had a little flute. pet mouse, I mean, that's not why. <laughs> Did that for band camp. So pet Jay, mice are okay. Yeah, like a one-off pet mouse is fine, but mice being everywhere infesting a place i don't know they're really cute is the thing i just it makes me nervous to think about them like living in my house and we've already talked about my squirrel issue but i know any kind of infestation not oh my god me. I, bringing up the squirrels i have to tell you guys i don't think i've told you but um you know our our good friend christian uh with slasher sports he has sent me uh, a ball cap of a minor league baseball team, and I can't remember the name of the city, but they're the Flying Squirrels, okay? And their hashtag on Twitter is Go Nuts. Very funny. <laughs> but guys, it gets better. It gets so much better. You know how the um, Nashville, you know how the Nashville Sounds have that, right, um, the country music legends race? Um, where they run around the outfield dressed as, uh, you know, when the giant Johnny Cash, Reba McIntyre, George Jones, and Dolly Parton masks. It's a sack race. It's not a sack <clears throat> race. But that is like It's the country music legends race in, in the Nashville Sounds. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers have the sausage race where there's like a, a bratwurst and a hot dog and whatever. But they have these at baseball games. Well, they have one at the flying squirrels games as well, but they, it's called a mixed nut race and there's a cashew and I think there's a, a peanut and then get this guys. Would you like a peanut? They have the almond brothers, the almond, oh, the almond God. brothers. That's so silly. I love it. <laughs> James, I knew you'd like that. We'll see Bill. Casey can't be your fresh best friend because you fresh, know she fresh. just said. <laughs> <laughs> For one, she speaks correctly. Two, oh. her amusement is not the 
level of amusement that you need to be uh, satisfied. When you Are tell you saying you. I'm not funny? <laughs> no, no, I'm saying your level of amusement when Bill tells a story isn't up to his level that he needs to satisfy his urge to tell these such jokes. James, you're on to something. And well, I know because well, Casey does speak correctly, um, and that gives I've me zero it. material. I've lived it for over 30 years, Bill. I know what it <laughs> takes to be your best friend. <laughs> Hasn't spoken correctly once. <laughs> and that and that gives me all the material I need. <sighs> so, Jenny, there's running. There's anybody can pick your best friend. It's me, Bill. Casey, he has a point. You are just too smart to be my best friend. Like, you would end up making fun of me, and I can't have that. <laughs> my that, ego is too fragile. That rarely happens, and we've been friends for a long time. We have been friends Usually for a long we time. mutually make fun of something together. We Okay, like, you're starting to get a little bit too out there because I don't want to out us. We are some well, that's haters. Not, that's not best friend material. That's where you're wrong. If you can't dig in each other's psyche and pull, James, pull out the words and make fun of it, you're not you're not best friends. James didn't speak for ten years because he was afraid of what I'd say. <laughs> oh God. So guys, we're at the point where Jenny is being chased across camp by Jason. She hides under this bed and sees a rat. It looks more like a mouse, but a, a rat and basically pees herself. And I guess she's wearing the least absorbent pants because it looks like that urine was poured directly out of a measuring cup as it puddles out from underneath the yeah, bed. Yeah, she pees her pants harder than anyone's ever peed their pants in their lives. <laughs> there are puddles like beside my bushes outside weeks. that have less pee in them. Yeah, <laughs> she didn't pee for two weeks and then she showed up on set. And she, apparently she didn't drink any water because that pee was like apple juice color. Pine salt. <laughs> Maybe she had. <laughs> she might have been dehydrated. What was that? <laughs> Rick is making fun of you because you because you sound like you're underwater. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Andre the Giant. <laughs> no, he, Rick sent us a message. He said, I will just stop talking. Actually, he said, I will just stop talking. And fuck all y'all. <laughs> he said, fuck all y'all. Rick, don't be that way. Just, just, just disconnect your mic and then reconnect it. <laughs> you okay, James? <laughs> so Rick says you can't fucking hear me. Well, Rick, we can't hear you. So that's why I want you to uh, yes, unplug. Unplug. Well, okay, we can't understand you. Just l listen. <clears throat> Un unplug your mic and then plug it back or like disconnect it and reconnect it <laughs> or just like get out of that 55 gallon drum that you're that you're in you're giving I think his wife's giving him a flea dip <laughs> it's from Batman I think uh, you don't have to say from Batman James everybody knows where Bane's from <laughs> it's Ace Ventura from Ace Ventura I'll tell you what you do. You turn that somebody sideways. <laughs> See straight up. You candy ass. 
Okay, he's going to log off and log back on. So we'll have Rick again here in a couple minutes uh, oh, when he gets out of his. I'll be playing fleet. the part of Rick <laughs> when he gets out of his fleet. Oh, oh. <laughs> How do you like this movie, Rick? <laughs> okay, James. Okay, he can probably still hear you, so don't make fun of him. He'll he'll Ooh, leave and not now? come back. Oh, we can oh, hear you just back. fine. <laughs> Damn it, he's back. Shut the hell up with this gurgling shit. (laughs) (laughs) See, James is so used to having the mic issues that he doesn't know how to act when somebody else has them. Really not. (laughs) So, so guys, Jason sees this um, unfiltered puddle of pee on the ground and he kind of, I don't know why Jenny doesn't see this, but he stands up on a chair and waits for her to come out from under the bed, which she does like two seconds later, not near long enough for me to like feel good about the killer being gone. Um, she didn't even see him open the door and leave, which is weird to me. This is a really weird scene to me. But either way, um, she gets out and he tries to get her with uh, the pitchfork and misses like he does. He's like one of the most clumsy, J- or one of the clumsiest Jasons. In all the movies. And obviously he's like substantially smaller. So this might be like his, you know, 18 year old, you know, 17 year old years. I don't know. This is another point of contention between Friday the 13th fans. Because how old was he when, you know, his mother was on her killing rampage? And this is five years later. He couldn't have been that old if he was 13. He's also undead. Not yet. He's not. Oh, you're right. Uh, but that's another point of contention, Casey, because some people think that if he drowned, then he must have been resurrected somehow, so he's undead now. But, you know, most people kind of accept the fact that he didn't really drown, and his mother was only angry because they were going to let him drown, and he's still in human form right now. Um, my opinion is he doesn't even reach uh, undead form until um, he gets dug up from that grave by uh, a, a, a couple of sequels away. Where but, the hell is Corey Feldman at? Corey Feldman's in part, what, four? Yeah, four, Enjoy. five, and six. So Tommy is in four, five, and six. Corey was in the first one, which is part four. But this is a part where things get a little bit more physical. Jenny finds a chainsaw um, that runs for about five seconds, and she basically takes him out with a chair shot. So a good little you know, WWE shot. Um <laughs> She runs into the woods, and she's pretty much gotten away from him. She sees a... She... Oh, boy. Sally sells seashells by the seashore. She sees a shack, the same dilapidated shack that the the deputy, old uh, Officer Winslow, ran into and got brained. But the lights are on inside. And this is where... The shit really hits the fan. She she makes it in. She doesn't make it very far in when she looks out the window and sees Jason coming. So she locks the door up, runs into the back room, the same room where we saw the deputy get that orange glow on him. But she runs in, locks the door, and when she turns around, there she sees it. The, the shrine to Pamela, Jason's dead mother. And that's really what this has all been about. This is why it's a perfect Mother's Day podcast. But we see the shrine that consists of Pamela's decapitated head, the sweater she was wearing when she was killed, brutally murdered by Alice, a pair of pants, a machete, some candles, and then we see the corpses surrounded of the by bodies. Bod- the bodies of Terry, Alice, uh, the deputy. There might have been one more. Pretty much everybody. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Um, 
Rooney. And so Jason, he starts breaking this door down. <laughs> he starts breaking this door down with his, uh, he doesn't have his pitchfork anymore. So he's got his pickaxe, which is my favorite of the Jason weapons. Um, but she's got a plan. Now, if you guys remember back earlier in the movie, it was barely mentioned. What are you doing, James? No. Okay. If you remember earlier in the movie, there was a piece of info that was dropped on us about Jenny that you might not have caught on to because you didn't think that maybe it was going to become important in the movie. But Jenny is uh, studying child psychology at university. Um, and she starts to kind of put that into a plan. She starts using her uh, newfound knowledge from school to develop a plan that might, that might help her get out of the situation. She mentions at the bar, you know, when they were out on the town, that maybe Jason is just out there, you know, looking for, um, like, a maternal figure. Just a child crying for help. So what does she do? What's the plan, Casey? Tell him. I'm too mad. <laughs> Casey, are you on mute? Oh, hell. Um, so <laughs> she makes a plan to put on the sweater very stylish very fashionable and Love convince it. jason that she's pamela but it doesn't work because jason sees the mom's head on the altar it works for a short time though right for, for so a very she, short time it's a good yeah. idea but maybe she oh, could have hit the head yeah she was she was uh yeah yeah definitely hide the head um she was on on the right track but Obviously, it doesn't work. Uh, he puts that pickaxe in her leg, and thankfully, she doesn't have to fight him off alone because here comes Paul. They have a a, a a nice little fight, but who comes into the clutch? Rick with a machete. Oh, shit. That's right. Final girl, Jenny. Final girl, fucking Jenny, puts the machete in his shoulder. Pretty deep into his shoulder, by the way. Should have killed him. Didn't Probably did know. the job. Well, hey, we don't know. We don't fucking know. But they, before they left the shack, they took that sack off his head. And they're obviously horrified. Again, we don't get to see it. But they leave. Scathed. But they leave. And they finally make it back to a cabin. They find some refuge. But fuck. They hear some more noises outside. Paul grabs a, like that pickaxe handle. Or um, not the pickaxe. The, uh, the hay fork handle. And uh, he opens the door. And what do we find? The little puppy, Muffin cutest little dog in the world that used to belong to terry r.i.p and of course they're relieved got some cute little piano music playing but then boom out from behind jenny crashing through the window is jason he grabs her drags her out the window one of the most stressful scenes ever because it's now in slow motion we see what jason looks like he's all deformed that stressful music playing again and then jenny wakes up it hasn't been a nightmare but she wakes up Loaded onto a stretcher, being put into an ambulance, calling out for Paul. We don't know where Paul is. We never see him again. So his fate's left unclear. <clears throat> and then the, Rooney! And then the final shot shows, oh, Pamela Vor, shows Pamela Voorhees rotting decapitated head. Ick. Roll fucking credits. The greatest slasher horror film there ever was, guys. And Jason final thoughts. is nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be Sound found. A bunch of shit to me. James, give us your final thoughts on Friday the 13th Part 2. Well, Bill, if you want a damn movie that's good to watch, you better watch this movie. <laughs> oh, man. Seems I like could, a lot of the, I could copy like and paste that anywhere. The Voorhees lore come from this movie, Bill. That it does, <laughs> sir. That it does. Rick, final thoughts on Friday the 13th Part 2. Oh, it's probably one of the best 
Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Old James is going to have a field day with that one. Final girl, Casey, your final final girl thoughts on oh, final no, girl mute. Jenny oh, and no. Friday the 13th Part 2. I'm not on mute, damn it. <laughs> so critics gave this a 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Fuck but them. they can go to hell because this is the superior Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> and it's perfect for this Mother's Day weekend. A true mm. ma- matriarchal classic. I mean, what's better to show your mother that you love her forever than to than go on a killing a spree in her name? And making a shrine. And making a shrine. A, a beautiful shrine, might I add, with her favorite beautiful. articles of clothing. It is beautiful. But guys, you know, that's going to do it for this week of Slashers and Screamers. Obviously, we planned on Shadow in the Clouds. Uh, We're going to push that one off to next week. So make sure you watch that this week and tune in on next Monday. So for Final Girl Casey. Let's see how far they push it back next time. Okay, you rat bastard. (laughs) For Final Girl Casey, for the Memphis Maniac Rick, and the godfather of Joel James, I am Billy Graves. This was Slashers and Screamers, and we will catch you in the game.